<laughs> the word of God is it, truth. It's truth. If I live the word, if I live the word, I will be blessed. I will be blessed. And if I don't, and if I don't, I won't. I won't. It's just that simple. It's just that Tell simple. Tell your it's just that simple. Just that simple. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to the book of Hebrews <laughs> chapter 11. I do like to suck the chocolate off those I, chocolate I, nuts. I, I, know you I, I have put them back in the bowl before. Oh, have you? Yeah, uh-huh. and then I would just watch to see if you would eat them. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to be talking tonight about uh, about framing. But y- y- framing, it's in Hebrews chapter 11 where we're going to go, but you are framing your future continually. Every time you take a thought and think, you frame your future. Every time you speak, you frame your future. And if we see things in the perspective that God sees, then we frame it with godly thoughts, godly actions, and we pursue it. If we don't frame it correctly, we will start to meditate things that we were never meant to meditate, say things that we should never say, and we'll miss God's best because God wants to bless us. He wants His blessings to come upon us and overtake us from the very beginning. This is a love story from the Old Covenant to the New Covenant. You can find situations in there and say, well, it doesn't look like much love. God's love always tried to correct us, put us back on track. And But He always wanted to bless His children. He always wanted us to be blessed. From the Garden of Eden all the way through the end, He wants to bless us. But He does it if we'll frame things by faith. And if we don't understand the importance of faith, then we will frame things that we should never be framing, honey. You know, I just had this thought, I don't know why, but you know, when you buy pictures, they come in different sizes. uh, And frames come in different sizes to fit those pictures. And so we have the opportunity to make a two-by-three frame or to make a five-by-seven frame or an eight-by-ten or an 11-by-14. It's the way we look at it. We have the ability to make it be that big. And I have found in the Lord, I don't think we think big enough. Uh, We don't see a big enough picture. And so since we don't see a big enough picture, we're not framing uh, something that's big or as big as what God wants us to frame it. And uh, those thoughts have to come out of our heart, not out of our head. My ideas are based in my mind usually on what I can imagine based on what I know or what I've seen. But what God sees is so much bigger than what I see that when I frame with God's words uh, what he sees, then you frame uh, a huge picture you know like god framed the world it says in hebrews eleven three, he framed the world with his words well the world's pretty big and so i believe we have opportunity to frame some really big things with our faith if we'll get in line with what god sees that's a good word honey now we're going to read in hebrews chapter 11 <clears throat> if you understand the importance of faith i'm going to paraphrase it just for a moment god moves by faith not by need If he moved by need, then all of your needs would be met. But it's the faith that we release in God that causes his hand to move on our behalf. And if we understand that everything that God does is set up by faith, and that's why what we're going to read in Hebrews 11, 6 says, without faith, you can't please God. Why wouldn't you be able to please God 
if you didn't release your faith. Because faith is the mechanism that releases the promises and the blessings of God upon the children of God's life. It's the question of whether or not we understand how this faith works. Hebrews 11.1, 1, faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. For by it, the elders obtained a good testimony. By faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. And then it goes on to say in verse number 6, But without faith it is impossible to please him, for he who comes to God must believe that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Now the word diligently means to crave. In other words, you are so in love with God that everything that you do, you're craving to be with him, to talk to him, to meditate with him, to do everything regarding what he has for you, and that when you have faith to believe that God can do anything that he wants, if you believe him and release that faith, then that faith opens the window of heaven and all of the blessings of God come upon you and overtake you. Now, sometimes it doesn't look like it, but we frame what God said, not what we see. Honey, we have seen that throughout our lives. We we lived in Tulsa, Oklahoma for many years with abundance because we framed abundance. We didn't have money to pay our bills sometimes. We didn't have enough money for groceries, didn't have enough money for car gas, but we framed faith that we were walking by faith and not by sight and that we knew that we had abundance. You have what God says, not because of what you see, but because of what you believe. Does that make sense? Turn to your neighbor and say, wake up. Wake up. Okay, now, does that make sense? This is a participative service, so you all can shout out anytime you want. You all understand what I'm saying, because sometimes what you see with your natural eyes becomes more real than what God promised you and said in His Word and by His Spirit. If God tells you to do something, do it. When Pastor Stanley, I just go off on a little bit of a rabbit trail here, and then I give it to you, honey, but when we heard Pastor Stanley was coming, and I was praying one day, and in my spirit I heard, let's build his home. I want you to build his home, your church. And I'm thinking, God, last time I talked to, to Stanley, that figure was $50,000. It had come down, but that's $50,000, and he's going to be here in two weeks. I want you to know that the minute I wrote that in my prayer journal, I could see it with my spiritual eyes, but when I opened my natural eyes and looked at my daytimer in the calendar, all I could think of was, that's only two weeks. That's only two weeks. And then I shared it with a couple of people and said, well, you're really going to have to move fast on that. And I said, I don't have to move fast. God's the one that's going to do it. Turn to your neighbor and say, if God doesn't build the house, don't build it. <laughs> Actually, that's what it says scripturally. Yeah. If uh, what, what does it say? I can't think. Uh, if God doesn't build the house, uh, we labor yeah, in vain. Yeah, yeah. If God doesn't build the house, we that, we that labor, labor in vain. And so I, I just want to tell you that of all of you people in this church, whether you gave financially or whether you, or whether you prayed for that project, when God spoke and we moved on it and sent out all of the emails, it was, I, and I was struggling. I'll be very honest with you. I struggle sometimes not by believing God can do whatever he says, by making sure I heard what God said. Does that make sense to all of you? And I believe all of you are the same way. And it was from the time the emails went out, I believe it was three hours. 
It might have been longer. I don't know. You're the one that got the, the, the text message. How long was it? Well, from when you got the email to send to the person yeah. who responded. Yeah. Three hours. Yeah. yeah. In three if hours' that, time. That, go ahead. If that long. Yeah. It yeah. wasn't long. Within three hours, we had somebody contact us and say, hey, if you can raise $25,000, I'm going to give you $25,000. And all of a sudden, half of 50000 how many of you realize my frame got a little brighter? <laughs> it was like, yes, 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 yes. And, and it's all a matter of framing. If you frame bad stuff and junk, it looks like junk. If you got a good picture and you frame it, it looks great. And the frame enhances the whole, the whole picture. So God framed the world by his words. We frame our future by what we speak. We have abundance not because of our checkbook. We have abundance because God said so. Our abundance is not based on our job. Our abundance is based on what did God say. Tell your neighbor, ask your neighbor, what did God say? What did God say? When we're living by what God said, we're going to walk in a whole different realm of this world, honey. When uh, Pastor Bill asked me, you know, uh, he he told me, I believe that God's speaking to me, that we need to uh, raise the money for Pastor Stanley's house and have it by the time he speaks on the 24th. Well, um, you know, we in the checkbook here in the church, there was not $50,000. Uh, in our checkbook, personally, there's not $50,000. Uh, so the things that God asks us to do have to be framed according to what he says. And we can't look at what we have because almost always in the things we've done, we've never had the amount that God was saying that we were going to have to. Never. We have never had that amount because his amounts are big. They are big. You know, from the first time in the Sudan, the first thing was a golf tournament. The first dorm that was built over there, we built, and it was $12,000. And we didn't have $12,000. But God gave us an idea and then gave us the $12,000. Then there was a $50,000 golf tournament. And then there was a $75,000 golf tournament. But this time, it was $50,000 and no golf tournament, no way to raise that money, except if God spoke to the hearts of people to do that. Are you understanding? Well, um, I don't know if, if you remember, but during this year, we have, we have shared what we believe is coming in the earth, but we've also at the same time shared God is going to take care of us. And God is going to take care of other people through us and that we have to be able to think like God in order to see those things. And so I believe this one was really a step of faith for Pastor Bill and I, because we're sending out letters to, I don't know, he had him go back and get all of the mailing list. Uh, people that don't even attend here, people that attended here way long time ago that have moved on to other things, other places. And we just sent it and believed God that somehow that God would provide that. And then Pastor Bill was quickened to this one situation and said, would you get me this address? I feel like we're supposed to send this. Now, when that email went out, that person said we were praying about where we were going to put the finances that God had given us that we knew was for a project. We were praying about it that day. And the, and the email came and there it was. We said, this is it. And they said, now, God did all of that, but it took faith. 
you know, not that we're we're not the prayer faith, uh, faith giants over here, but but we had to step out. Everybody say step out. You, and and what happens is if you begin, I mean, twelve thousand wasn't small. We started this church with with a lot smaller faith, but faith does grow. That's why you know faith does grow as we do things, and so. Uh, I believe for what we're going to face in the world, this is going to be an exciting time for the church because we're going to have more than enough. Uh, We are going to have the abundance that the world is going to be looking for. And we get to put it where God says to put it, not where somebody else tells us to put it. Everybody say that's a blessing. So, you know, uh, I believe God's trying to increase us in our ability to live by faith and not by sight and not be concerned about what anybody says, not be concerned about our pocketbook. Because, you know, when, when we did this, the church was in a situation where we could have used finances. So you know that if you're having a guest speaker on Wednesday night and you're going to raise $50,000 and you're going to have somebody speak on Sunday and you have an honorarium to give that person, and you're also going to do other things for them while they're here, and then you think, whoa, will anybody have any money left to put in the offering? Hallelujah. Where will we be on Monday? You can't think like that. Everybody say, don't think like that. If you're going to walk by faith and not by sight, you have to think like God thinks. And if he says to do it, there'll be more than enough for everybody. Amen. 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 And for more to, more to give away. You know, I'm glad you shared it like that because I, r- really you, you shared exactly my mind. My mind was scrambled over all that whole thing because what she just said, I was thinking the same thing. Honorarium, expenses, hotel, all of this kind of stuff. And, but yet I knew what God said. And what I was trying to frame, turn to your neighbor and tell him, God's no respecter of persons. Now, if you will understand, if you'll get this deep within your spirit, it changed my life over the years, but it's still a fight of faith for me. It's still a fight of faith for me. Whatever God says for you to do, he is responsible to pay for it. He will tell you how to position yourself. He will give you orders to do, but he is responsible for the finances. And that's why it says that his, his, the finances are stored in heaven. So whatever you do, he'll take care of. And that, another little sidetrack here, but I believe this is where all of us live. I believe one of the biggest challenges we have in this world today is the fear of failure and the fear of finances. Once we get over those, we can move out no, no matter what God tells us to do. But that first golf tournament, I know some of you have heard this story before, but it's such a faith builder for me. We were trying to build, uh, build, uh, uh, raise $12,000 for that first dorm over there in the Sudan. And the night of the golf tournament, the pledges and everything that we had, we had $11,000 that came in. I was so excited. I was ready to call it. Right then, eleven thousand was to me eleven thousand was close to twelve, and that night i was I was just I, I wasn't seeking God anything other than praising God and thanking God for eleven thousand dollars and that night we were all done raising all the funds and everything. The tournament was the following morning, and I'm in Walmart, and this lady walks in, Bill, how are you? I haven't seen you for a long time. We talked for a while. What are you doing? We're having a big golf tournament tomorrow morning. Oh, my grandson plays golf. can he play and he he was with her. Young guy, about 17, 18 years old. I said, well, sure he can play. And uh, just tell him to be there at 7 a.m. in the morning. He comes out to the to the uh, uh, golf course at 7 a.m., comes over, registers there, and, and and then comes over to the golf cart. And I said, well, nice to meet you. He goes and gets in his golf cart, and then he gets back out and comes running over. and said, oh, I forgot. 
Grandma said to give you this and handed me a check for $1,000. When we teed off, we had $12,000. And this is what I heard in my spirit when he had my check. And I started crying. And and I felt in my spirit, this is what I heard. I said, $12,000. If God tells you $12,000, you'll have $12,000. Whatever God tells you to do. Now, there will be times along the way you will question it. But if you'll keep the frame up there. And if you'll keep that frame, I've got that frame up there in my mind of that building out there on Highway 252. I've got that frame with Victory World Outreach Center. And some of you heard the story when I met with the owner recently in Manhattan, and I showed him the picture. And we have Victory Christian Center. Matter of fact, put it up there if you got it. Uh, Victory Christian Center up there. He said, have you already put a sign up? <laughs> and I said, no, we, we, haven't, we haven't put the sign up. That's computer generated, gener- whatever. Generated, anyway, yeah, yeah computer generated. But, but he thought we, he, he was serious. He thought we had changed the sign. Now, if you'll not lose the picture, yeah. I'm not at liberty to tell you some of the things he shared yet. But I can tell you this. Right now, the only way we can have the building is to go into debt. Tremendous debt, but somebody else will pay the debt. Sounds too good to be true. Most things that sound too good to be true are too good to be true. (laughs) You all get that? Most things are. However, we're not done with the leading of the Holy Spirit, and we're not done believing that no matter how God wants to do it, we are going to have that building, and the only way we would not have that building would be if somehow we miss God, and he's got a bigger one and a better one. But that building, we are claiming, we are framing. I think we did a pretty good job framing that building. That sign just looks like it belongs. Now, every single person here has a plan and a purpose ordained by God, Jeremiah 29, 11, an exact purpose on this earth. And if we're not careful, we will live a life of going to work, getting a paycheck, saving our money, retiring, having 2.5 kids, having a beautiful lawn, having a garage that's clean and whatever. And and then all of a sudden life will be over and you say, whoop, I'm time to check out. Now, Those are the things we don't have, a beautiful lawn and a clean garage. <laughs> no, we have a clean garage. Yeah, we do. Yeah, we do. You I keep just it very it. clean. I, yes, did, I just cleaned it. Yeah. <laughs> we clean it often. <laughs> things turn, just get in Turn your to your neighbor you and tell that? them. They just show up. <laughs> what did you say? I said things just get in your garage. They just show up. Yeah, all, all of that, a sudden, there's all this it's stuff. all that junk I'm carrying around from your, your family heirlooms and whatever. <laughs> now, turn to Ch- Mark chapter 11. I've, I've got two boxes, and Pam's got 865 <laughs> trinkets. Is that true or not? Well, turn to the book of Mark, <laughs> chapter eleven. Is that? I got my mother's trinkets, and yeah, I got all these trinkets. Yeah, but I you do. like you're you like that stuff. You I like, do. You like to have a box that something's in that you don't even know what it's in. No. Mark eleven. Get okay. back to your message. Now, for all faith. <laughs> tell your neighbor God's got a great plan for your life. God's got a great plan for your life. Now, this this is is such a powerful scripture. This is the scripture God gave me for this year. Have faith in God, Mark eleven twenty two. Mm-hmm. For a short, it, when you walk by faith, a lot of times our faith gets shaken by the obstacles that are in front of us. 
There isn't a single one of you here that hasn't faced financial challenges along the way. There isn't a single one of you here that haven't done something that you have failed at. There isn't a single one of you here that I thought God said to do this. I failed at it. It must have not been God. And then you get back up and you realize that next time I'm going to hear the voice of the Lord. I've done the same thing, honey. I failed miserably when we got to Tulsa. Remember that first house we got? And uh, it was 20, what was that, $2,300 a month It was the rent. And I was believing God to supply the needs for that house. All I did was went into debt and then into court. Okay, now, in <laughs> verse number 40. And almost to jail. 40, Praise <laughs> Jesus. In verse number 20. I was dangerous. Fred Price wrote a book years ago called Faith, Foolishness, and Presumption. And I have operated in all three. <laughs> And it is better to operate and walk by faith. Now, for assuredly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed, cast into the sea, does not doubt in his heart, but believes that these things that he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. That's what we're framing. Therefore, I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. That is our framing, honey. And then when you when you understand frame. The word frame means to arrange and set in order. Uh, so we, we set in order. God set in order. And this, this came to me this morning. It was so powerful. God set in order by speaking forth, and he framed the world, and it was. And then he said, now I want you to be like me and walk by faith and speak by faith and act with faith, and that you frame what I tell you. Do you have abundance? Yes, I have abundance. Are you healed by the stripes of Jesus? Yes. Why am I healed by the stripes of Jesus? Because I have a medical report that says otherwise. I'm not framing the medical report. I'm framing the Word of God because God speaks things that are not as if they were. I have the mind of Christ no matter how it seems to me. I'm framing that. Why? Because the Word of God says so. And then we get to the point when we are speaking something that is not as if it were, and that is Romans 4.17. That is exactly how God lives. God wants us to be like Him. So if He framed by faith... Then we frame by faith, you know, so he, he called, it says those things, uh, it says Abraham called those things that were not as if they were, I believe that was counted as righteousness to him because it was exactly how God does things. And, uh, I was looking at the scripture because I believe it's important that we all get this. It's 24 first Thessalonians five 24. He who calls you is faithful. Everybody say faithful who also will do it so that the fact that god's going to do it is already settled the fact that god's faithful is already settled so the only unknown is are we going to live by faith and not by sight that's the only unknown in that equation is are we going to do what we're supposed to do which is to be like god and frame the situation exactly like he tells us, and he will do exactly what he says. Now, <clears throat> I don't walk by faith any stronger than you do, okay? I know that. But I also think less than you do. True. And I believe and I believe that sometimes that's great, sometimes it's not. Yeah. We're a great team. Yeah. You help me think about things that I don't even think about. <laughs> Glory to God, you do. But... But I've rescued him a few times. But there are people out here 
who think so much that you can create a mountain. And if you're not thinking and framing the Word of God, you will think whatever you want to think. So your thinking has to be controlled because the Word of God says that we frame those things that He gives us. Now, almost every mountain that you will ever face is going to be rooted in worry, fear, doubt, and unbelief. Now, you may say, oh, no, it's people, it's money, it's this, it's that. I'm telling you, the root is always the same. Worry, fear, doubt, and unbelief locks people up. And the reason I believe it does is because they try to figure out how God is going to do it. Yet the framing that we should have is that I'm not going to lean to my own understanding. I'm going to frame what God said. I'm going to lay down and go to sleep, and I'm not going to think about it, because if God can't figure it out, He doesn't need me. Turn to your neighbor and say, that's a really good revelation for you. <laughs> if, if God can't figure it out, He certainly doesn't need you trying to figure it out. And I'm not saying that people don't have a natural tendency to worry. I do. I, I know I do. I know when I'm starting to do it, and I try to get it off of me. But, but sometimes it's like we're, we seem to be going to the last minute for God's hand to move. Billy Joe preached a message years ago that why does it seem like God is always moving at the 11th hour? <laughs> and he said because he doesn't have a clock. Uh, you know, <laughs> it, it, God is not watching the clock. And, uh, but, but there are many people that will create their own, mi- their own mountain in their mind when we really need to get rid of the thoughts that don't line up with the framing of the Word. Yeah, I think God's direction is pretty simple, usually. It's yeah. straightforward. It's this and then when it goes processed through our mind, sometimes it gets added to uh, or taken away from based on how we feel or what we see. And that's not, not what God really said. You know, we've been in situations before with people where, you know, we've, we've had to say, what did God say in the beginning? You know, before we got clear over to here, what, what, well, what God said was maybe a sentence what we now have is a whole book of based on all these different settings and circumstances because we were made to be creative. But when we're talking faith, faith has to be what God creates, not what we create. Our faith has to be in what God says and not how we could maybe decorate it up or fix it up or uh, by our doubt and unbelief let go of what God said he's very God's very simple when God spoke about the golf tournament years ago and said raise $12,000 that's all God said raise $12,000 you know and if you ask him again you know what he's going to say raise $12,000 because God doesn't once he speaks that's what he says and and I think if we try to process that, that through our mind that that's where worry comes that's where doubt and unbelief come I'm speaking from experience and it comes a lot of times when our defenses are down how many of you know you know what God said do you I mean it's just like so it's just you know it was God and then you go about your day, and by evening, you're not sure you even know who God is. I mean, does he know who you are? You know, because immediately the devil comes and tries to attach things to that situation or, you know, bring things about circumstances that cause that word to try to be pulled away from you of what God said. But God's word is very simple, and it's very direct, and it's very clear. 
in Mark, that's a good word, honey. In Mark chapter 4, it says that, uh, talking about the parable of the sower, that the devil comes immediately to steal the Word of God. How many of you know exactly what I'm talking about based on that Scripture? You can be in church. You can hear a powerful, anointed Word of God. You can be in another church. You can be watching Christian television. Or you can just be in your own prayer time, and it's just awesome. And then you walk out the door, and you go somewhere, and all hell breaks loose. Let me see the hands of all the people. And you thought, really, what happened? I'll tell you what happened to me. When I first got saved, I thought, what happened? I didn't have it this bad before I got saved. I remember the euphoric moment of salvation. I remember exactly what happened on September the 4th, 1980. But then after that, it's like, wow, it seems like all hell broke loose. Well, then I realized that the devil was allowing me to do whatever I wanted to do because I was running with him. But now that I stopped running with him and the word of God was starting to penetrate and my spirit man was alive, I was a target. You're a target too the minute God speaks to you and he starts to tell you what to do. And the devil comes to try to steal that word. But faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And when you meditate and frame the word of God day and night, day and night, night and day. All you do is think the Word of God. You think the Word of God. You think the Word of God. I believe, and I don't know why, and I've said this a lot lately, and I know that a lot of people just think you're just getting old, but technology, and I'm getting older, but technology, did you hear Stanley up here talking about this older woman that was 65 years old up here? I corrected I him. I corrected him on the way to Ohio. <laughs> Stanley doesn't even know how old he is. He's, I think he's 40 or 45, but anyway. But, but uh, I don't even know what I was going to say. That's what happens when you start to get a lot of wisdom in you. Technology. You, just, technology. you know, technology. Yeah. You don't like it. Yeah. Technology. It started. Remember. Thank you. It started with television. Yeah. We'll put the kids in front of the TV set because they'll be quiet. Then I'll get in front of the TV set because I can be quiet. And then we all get in front of the television set. And then we get TV meals because we won't have to go to the kitchen. And we get <laughs> porta pods. We get porta pods in the living room. We won't even have to move. You know. And then, and then, and then, all of a sudden, we have our iPhones, our iPads. Uh, I think it's so interesting that everything becomes not everything because I know there are. <laughs> Do you like that? iPad, iPhones, and all of a sudden, we're into all of this technology, but is there time to just be alone with God and say, God, what do you want me to think today? What are you saying? And God begins to speak to you and says, I I, I believe I want you to change the world. Uh, I believe I want you to change your neighborhood. I believe I want you to start a business. I believe I want you to move to Arizona. Uh, I believe he wants me to move to California and start all over again. <laughs> I don't want to do that. And that can't be God. And, 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 and I'm not trying to plant seed of anybody going to California or Arizona. But, but by the same token, God's speaking today. And God, we hear his voice. We hear the voice of the Lord. And if we get to the point when we are framing what God said, we're going to be positioned and accomplish great and mighty exploits. Regardless of what happens in America, what happens in the world, God will use us mightily. You know, I had this thought the other day. I'm still meditating on it, but I'll share it with you that, uh, that technology is being used by the enemy for isolation. And the way the devil kills is to isolate. And people are becoming very isolated to what's right in front of them. They have total control. They don't have to answer or they can. When they talk, they text. 
They don't have to actually interact with somebody on a personal level. Uh, the young people, uh, you know, uh, picking up the telephone, it's, they, they don't pick it up, but if you text, immediately you get an answer. That would indicate they've got the phone. I understand. But what the devil is doing is bringing people into a place of total self and isolation. And once he gets people isolated, then they don't need people. Everything they need is in that phone. Every bit of information, if they want to order things, they can push buttons. They don't even have to go to the store. And pretty soon, they're just all by themselves. And then he strikes. And they don't know where to go because you can't find Jesus in that isolated place. You have got to get Jesus you can see on television. But how many of you know people who are watching TV and they are falling further and further behind in their walk with God? Because it says in the last days, do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together even more so as the day approaches. I never saw that part until I really started reading recently and God pointed it out to me. And, and not that, I mean, I love, I, I will use my phone. I use my phone to prepare messages. But if you become a person where all your communication is by that phone, pretty soon you're not really with people. You're busy. How, how many of you are busy? You know, you get busy. And, and, and pretty soon we're not really with people. And uh, I have people say to me, oh, yeah, I, I, listen, don't worry about me. I'm, I'm going to church on TV. Well, you know, uh, that's not probably going to work for you in a real bad situation. But that's it, it. I'm not against Christian TV. We watch Christian television. But interacting with people produces the life, the life of God. It keeps people on track, keeps people accountable. And uh, so I, I, from that standpoint, I, I agree with my husband on the technology side that there's an opportunity there for not wise anything can go to the extreme and we just need to be careful and use it for what God tells us to. But there is one thing I want to do with modern technology. I think it's so cool. All these people go through Starbucks and they stick their, their cell phone up there and they scan that thing. I don't have that. I want We're to do that sometime. That. We'll I want to go that. through that one time and get my Starbucks and get scanned. <laughs> now, <laughs> you know, how many of you already have that? Can I see your hands? Oh, yeah, look at, uh, not many. Look, no, get them up higher. Come on. Okay, so there's yeah. Starbucks, Starbucks. Okay. All I thought my kids threw bed. away all of the gift cards I gave them at Christmas. Now, and all they did was they ran them through somehow, and they put them on their phone, and they just threw the cards in the trash. And I was digging them all out because I thought they'd thrown away their gift. <laughs> now, Don't there are do two that. things that, are, that, are, that are, should be the two dominant things in all of our lives. And if you've been part of this church for the last 20-some years, you've heard me say them over and over again. Number one, you have to live by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. That was what Jesus quoted to the devil in Matthew 4, 4. It was out of Deuteronomy chapter 8. You must get the word of God in you so that you are living the word of God. And number two, to be guided by the Holy Spirit in this time frame. It is so important. John chapter 16, verse 13 Jesus said, I'm giving you the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit will lead and guide you into all truth, and he will declare everything that was mine and give it to you. 
everything that Jesus had, the Holy Spirit is giving to us so that we can follow the leading of God and accomplish what God wants us to do on this earth. I believe these are two of the most powerful scriptures in the entire Bible. Live the Word of God. Frame the Word of God. What you see with your natural eyes does not matter. What you see with your spiritual eyes and frame is what's going to be your future. And then when the Holy Spirit says us, tells us what to do. He's guiding us. It's like this laser. He's guiding us through everything that's happening in this world. Jesus did his miracles under a repressive government. We are not moved by a government. We are not moved by a nation. We are only moved by the power of the Holy Spirit to accomplish whatever God wants. And if you will make these two things your dominant desires, morning, noon, and night, go to bed thanking them, wake up thanking them, you will accomplish and frame what God wants you to do. I'll give you a quick little story, honey, and then you can close it out here. But there's a story in Luke chapter 10. You all probably know the story. I've ministered a lot. Pam has ministered over the years. But it's Mary and Martha. Neither one of them were bad people. They were both good people. They loved Jesus, and Jesus came to, his, to their house. But Martha and Mary both sat down at the feet of Jesus, and they were just sitting there listening to him, listening to God himself speak to them. But then all of a sudden, a thought came to Martha. Now, Martha was not any better or worse than Mary. They were sisters. They were wonderful people. They loved Jesus. But Martha started thinking about the work, that she needed to clean the kitchen. She needed to wash the dishes. She needed to dust the blinds. She needed to carry out the trash. I realize I'm paraphrasing a whole lot. But I'll tell you what, once your mind starts to go, how many of you have a mind that once it goes, it goes? three of you. Thank you. Uh, and, and you know exactly who I'm talking to. And all of a sudden it's spinning like this, like, okay, I got to take that out the trash. I got to do that. And Jesus is saying, and then the, the history of the world, who knows what Jesus was saying? And the history of the world is going to be like this and like this. And like, I got to wash the dishes. I can't stand to hear the history of the world coming and how I'm supposed to live my life. And all of a sudden, when finally she said, Jesus, don't you care that Mary's not helping me? And Jesus said, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled. You are distracted and worried and troubled about many things, but Mary has chosen the good part. We need to choose the good part because for every single one of you sitting here, there are great and mighty exploits for you to do. Your own neighborhood, where you work, whatever, God will supply every single need that we have. And if we will do what God has told us to do, live the Word of God, Matthew 4, 4, and then John 16, 13, then every promise of God will come upon us and overtake us. Now, the Word of God, if we, if we frame this, the two things that, you know, that we're going to end this with, with a question, then Pam's going to end it, but what would you be doing right now with the rest of your life if you knew you couldn't fail? And what would you be doing right now with the rest of your life if you knew you had all the finances that you needed? Interesting project. And then to let the Spirit speak to you what He has for you. Because you will not fail if you're doing what God's called you to do. And you will not outrun your supply source if you're doing what God's called you to do. 
because God will open the windows of heaven and he'll pour that blessing out upon us. And when we started this church, the scripture we started was that God will supply all of our needs. I just said it all wrong. We would. It was Second Corinthians. Second Corinthians nine eight that you'll have abundance for every, every good, good work. work. Mm-hmm. That you will always have abundance for every good work mm-hmm. that God has called you to do. So what did we do from the very beginning? We framed abundance. Let's say, let's say I have. I have abundance. Abundance. Turn to your neighbor to I have abundance. <clears throat> I have abundance. Why do you have abundance? Because God says so and because that's what you're framing. Don't go looking in your checkbook. Don't go asking somebody. Don't go to the bank and look at your banking account. We have abundance because God said so. And the things that God's prepared for us uh, to do, he already has the finances to do those things. The only thing that determines success for us is not measured by the world's way. It's measured by, did we do what God said? That's success for a believer. And uh, if that's, you know, um, some of you, you know, are raising children right now. And that's, you know, that's where God's called you to be. That's where your entire focus is supposed to be. Then you are successful doing just that because you're training up another generation of young people. And that's the priority really, is that those that come after us do greater things than what we've accomplished. They have the ability to do greater things. God said that we would do greater things. He had Jesus tell us, greater things will you do because I go to be with the Father. God is a God who increases things. Everybody say, increases things. And so in our lives, he wants to increase us. He's not a God who decreases. He's a God who increases. And the Bible very seldom mentions the word addition. It mentions multiplication which is uh, a quicker increase of things than what we can even imagine. And so um, I think the important thing is that we individually know what is it that God is wanting me to walk by faith in today. Not if I were somebody else. How how many of you have ever looked at somebody else and said, I could never do that, and then just, that's it. But that's not how this goes. Every person God has something for them to be doing and they're learning it by walking in faith not in what they have not in what they what they even think they could do you know uh, when we started this church do you know when you start a church and you prepare a budget who says it's going to come have you ever thought about that you know uh, in the work of god in the church you just you, you prepare a budget. I mean, you have to plan what you think is going to come in for the church. And then it's totally left to God. Are you, are you getting this? So, you know, that's the way he runs his house. Well, that's the way he wants you to run your house is by faith. You plan a budget based on what you know. But God then will speak, you know, to do this, to do this, to this. How do you increase the budget in your house how does God increase it? Be- giving. Everybody say giving. See, there are principles that cause us to be able to live by faith the way God wants us to live. But it all comes down to we live by faith and not by sight. Not what we have in the bank. Not what we have that we can do, but what he said he would do if we do what he tells us. Amen? Let's stand. Let's all stand. You know, <clears throat> when you were talking about uh, starting the church, w- when you do what God's called you to do, Even though sometimes along the way you may stumble, 
God is watching for you to accomplish that. And I know some of you have heard this story, but when we left Tulsa uh, to come back here, we, we didn't have a lot of money saved up, just a little bit. But believe it or not, and I know this may sound hard for you to believe, I had forgotten to budget the U-Haul to drive us back here. And and when Pam or I realized it, and I, and I told it, and I said to her, well, it can't be that much. And uh, and then I went to the U-Haul place and found out, oh, it was a whole lot more than I thought. It was $800, and we didn't have it. We did not have the $800 to get the U-Haul uh, truck and come back here. And uh, I remember just praying and said, God, I, I'm sorry. I don't know what to do. I do not know what to do. And, and, uh, and a guy from the church sent us a check. I don't think he knew we were short the money, but he had talked to the pastor and said, why don't we just bless them? And I didn't know about it. He showed up at our house and gave me a thousand dollar check. So all of a sudden I go from being $800 into what am I going to do to having $200 to buy food on the way home on top of that in the U-Haul with the dog. I mean, to tell you, God has got everything under control. So turn to your neighbor and tell him, God's got everything under control. God's got it under control. Wherever you are right now, you may be right where you belong in the perfect will of God, but I guarantee you something. God's got a future out there for you, and he's going to begin to show you bits and pieces. You're going to be able to do it all because he's going to go ahead, prepare the way. Would you bow your heads with me just for a moment? The most important question you will ever answer is, do you know that if you died today, you would go to be with Jesus? And if you're here tonight and you say, well, I don't know. I don't know if I died tonight, I'd go to be with Jesus. Or maybe you're here and you're like that prodigal son. You know that you have walked away and strayed away from the things of God. God still loves you, but he's got a, he's got a plan and a purpose for your life. And all over this church, if you're here and you say, Pastor, pray for me, I... I don't know if I died tonight, I would go to be with Jesus, but I want that assurance. Jesus loves you. He laid his life down for you. And if I've described you tonight, you say, that's me. I I know I need to get my life right and come back to Jesus. I'm going to ask you just to slip your hand in the air. We're going to pray for you. We'll wait just a moment. Let the Holy Spirit move. Lord, you know everyone here. And if there's one person here that they're not right with you tonight, that spirit man alive through the rebirth of Jesus in their life, Lord, let them know it. We'll wait one more moment. Anyone at all while we're still in prayer, you'd say, pray for me. I I know my life is not right with the Lord. Well, honey, why don't you pray for everybody? Because it appears that we have have a house full of believers. So whatever they frame that God shows them, they're going to accomplish. Okay, well, I just feel like uh, I want to pray for people who are overwhelmed by your situation. Because when you feel overwhelmed by your situation, there's no way that you can walk by faith. 
because the enemy's already got you pushed down. And and I felt like God said, it's due to what you think are extenuating circumstances. In other words, what you're facing is, you know, those are circumstances that there's not really an answer for in the natural. Well, God's going to take care of those extenuating circumstances. And if that's you, I want you to lift your hand right now where you're facing that kind of thing. Overwhelming situations. Yeah. Come real quickly right here. We're just going to close and we'll pray for you. We'll dismiss everybody. But it's these are overwhelming circumstances. Overwhelming. I mean, they're, they're, unless God steps in, there's uh, no answer that you know of to do what needs to be done. Yeah. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, you see these situations and circumstances. I believe there's some other people that you're in this boat. And uh, God's going God's to gonna take care of this tonight. He's going to take care of these extenuating circumstances. We're speaking to them in the name of Jesus. They are coming down. They are stopping. They will not have an effect on your life. We take authority over them. We take authority over lack. We take authority over what we spoke tonight. Fear. Worry, doubt, and unbelief. In Jesus' name, those things are playing on those emotions. And in Jesus' name, we are taking authority and dominion. I want somebody to come, each somebody behind each person, put your hands on them. You can believe with me up here. Just get your hands on somebody and let's let's begin to pray. Jen, you come and just begin to sing and worship. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. She taught down the 